never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. episode of the top five report the podcast that will do anything to appease our robot overlords that we may survive the singularity when it comes my name is drew i'll be your host my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here what's up what's up man nothing Um, nothing better to start off the episode with a bunch of existential dread so uh yeah thanks for that Yeah, i know (laughs) um what (laughs) How has your week been? It's been like um, it's been insanely busy, to be honest. Um, I actually haven't had a ton of time to like watch and read stuff, but it's just been one of those really busy weeks. I can't believe the week's almost over at this point. So, um, yeah, I don't know. How about you? (laughs) Um, That's pretty vague, but I've just been, yeah, just super busy. Like, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, busy, but more in the sense of like. I want to say like pop culture busy because I've been kind of oh, nice. focus on like I'm trying to focus on like content. It's like yeah, you have your work and your social life, but then it's like everything is content. Um, yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I had to go to the dentist today for just standard cleaning, not like actual work, but standard cleaning. And uh, my dentist, he, I really enjoy going to my dentist. Um, he might actually be listening, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, uh, I told him when I first started going there, um, that I don't like going to the dentist and I'm like, I just, I can't stand it. I hate going. And it's always like a good time to go because he's into all the stuff I'm into. Okay. Nice. So like there was a day I had to get actual work done and he turned on Netflix and turned on a Batman movie for me so I could sit and do that while I was getting the numbing stuff while I was waiting for the numbing stuff to take over. Um, nice. And, uh, and like I get in today and he's like, dude, did you see this movie? Did you see that movie? Like, we're just like <laughs> um, That's awesome. So it was cool. Um, but he was talking to me about She-Hulk, about how he hasn't. Um, he, he watched the first few, but he's like not really feeling it. And I was talking to him about how he needs to really get in there with She-Hulk and whatnot. And um, I'm like, I just feel like She-Hulk's going to end up being kind of like WandaVision, where you're going to be like, what happened? How is that a thing? And you're like, oh, you didn't watch WandaVision. (laughs) You know, kind of like the Doctor Strange movie. Um, And then he was telling me he had the same issue with uh, Boba Fett, but he's really excited for Mandalorian. And I'm like, how far do you get? Because Boba Fett kind of turns into a Mando 2.5, if you will. And if you don't finish, I think you're going to have a lot of questions when Mando season three starts. So it was kind of cool in the conversation (laughs) we were talking and – it just reminded me that we need to remind everybody, whether you like or dislike what's coming, if you're trying to keep up with this stuff, you've got to keep reminding yourself above the bigger picture, always the bigger picture, um, because I think that's going to help get through. Like, you know, like I didn't 
I really wasn't sure what to make of Moon Knight when it first started, but I knew it was important, and it's the next chapter, and I ended up really liking it in the end. Uh, She-Hulk has its ups and downs for sure, but I think ultimately it's going to be really important going forward. Um, uh, quick, because I'm technically kind of moving into that category, Andor has gotten progressively better as it's gone for me. But at the beginning, I didn't know what to think because it's not normal Star Wars. And Star Wars yeah. is evolving, and I'm okay with Star Wars is evolving. But it's not – It's my big issues with Andor is the pacing um, is probably the biggest. And kids are going to be bored to tears watching Andor, and Star Wars is supposed to be for everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> – um, it's Star Wars without George, and this is a perfect example of Star Wars without George. So that's my real big issue with Andor, but I think what they're doing is awesome. Um, are you current on Andor, by the way? No, I am still behind on Andor, um, and it's one of these things I feel bad about it. I just uh, haven't caught up on it yet. Um, I have a couple days off coming up, though, and I'm, I kind of just want to binge through it. So that's sure. kind of where I'm sitting, which is actually... To be honest, I actually prefer to binge through shows rather than watching them week to week. And I know that I do understand the merits of a week to week release schedule. But just for me personally, I do much prefer to just binge through oh, everything. Dude. And, you know, so I'm there excited are, about it. I'm with you, dude. There are times that I think binging is awesome. But I'm going to tell you, I love the water tour cooler talk when you get to work and like, dude, did you watch last night? I love those conversations. Yeah, so, true, true. Yeah. You know. um, <laughs> I just, I've, I'm still like, I still work remote, so the water cooler talk is a little bit more few and far between for me, but uh, I definitely understand what you mean. But there is something, for me, there is something about, you know, when uh, the new Stranger, se- uh, the new Stranger Things season, epi- or season drops, and you can just spend like a weekend just like watching through ev- every episode, and it's kind of like to me feels like when you can get buried deep in like a really good book where you're just like, even when you're not watching the show over the weekend that, you know, it came out, you're still just thinking about it. And it's kind of this cool, like filter you have to view the rest of your daily life through. It's kind of a cool, uh, cool little thing, but you know, weekly versus binge model watching, that's something we can debate probably another time. But uh, yeah, were you going to say anything more about Andor? Well, I was just going to say the one thing about Andor, and I'm curious your opinion on, because it has not really shed light. There's a B storyline going on. Okay. Right? I'm not going to spoil anything. There's the main plot line with Andor, right? And there's this B storyline. Um. All right, let me see. It's maybe the C storyline. I feel like this is an ABC <laughs> show. Okay. Well, like, you know, when you write, you have to, you have your main storyline that everyone follows with the characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have, which is your A line. And then you have your B storyline, which is like the subplot to a show. And a lot of shows just do the A and B. Mm-hmm. Um, Friends, famously, even for the 22 minutes that each episode is, is an ABC story. And it's brilliant how it's interweaved. I always loved how it works. Like yep. The episode might primarily be Joey and Chandler. The B storyline might be Ross, Rachel, Monica, and Phoebe in the pop-ins is your C story that does carry throughout the episode. But they're yep. little pop-in pieces, and it's always brilliant how they do that. And or <laughs> it works your, really well for comedy, too. It but does. Keep going. It does. And or has an A story, right? 
It's got a B story, which seems to be like you're seeing some of the Empire stuff from the ISB or the uh, Imperial Security Bureau perspective. And then it has this C storyline, which I can't put my finger on why any of it is important. (laughs) And I feel like it's going to come to fruition. But right now, that C storyline feels like the most unhappy version of office space and i just don't understand how this is relevant at all so otherwise you just feel bad for this character and it's like why is this important to the story but hey i'm 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 trusting that they got a plan and you know that's that's where we're headed we only got five more episodes (laughs) left of andor so let's see where it goes so now I have to catch up um, because the phrase the most unhappy version of office space is not something that I expected to hear out of a uh, Star Wars TV show. <laughs> and it's one of those things. And I don't know if it's it might be awesome. But for me, I get a little bit worried that it goes back into the the thing we were talking about a, like a little while back where you have all these TV shows that focus a little bit too, or all these just sci-fi and fantasy and comic book properties that focus a little bit too much on like that sort of like coffee shop office life sort of thing when you're like, no, but I want to see like space battles and dragons and stuff like that. And then you still are watching characters in a coffee shop. So it makes me a little bit worried that it's like that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Sounds interesting. You're, you're making me want to catch up. I'll get caught up. I'm curious. Like I said, I just don't know what to think about it yet. We'll see. Um, Before I go any farther, did you watch house of dragon? Yes, I, I'm all caught up on Pop okay, House of Dragon. <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch anything else? I caught up on that, and then um, also just speaking of um, sort of B and C subplots that didn't seem like they were going to add up to anything. I did finish. Uh, I did watch the She-Hulk uh, finale. Yeah, which I think was yeah. literally. <laughs> so first of all, I loved how it was littered with all these details that you didn't think were going anywhere, and then it did come to like this big giant climax. But then, of course, the fourth wall break <laughs> break happens and they kind of just threw that big climax in the gutter, which was both hilarious, but kind of disappointing because we all really wanted to see that fight scene. But at the same time, as soon as the Hulk showed up at that scene, I was like before before uh, she Hulk said anything about it, I was just like, yeah, this doesn't really make sense. <laughs> But I did love the fourth wall break, the whole uh, this is a spoiler, but the whole going back to the menu screen of Disney Plus that threw me for a loop that you're right. This is a fourth wall break that we've never seen in any as far as I know, any form of media. So it was super like just out of the blue. I do feel like I said it last week, but I do. Let me ask you this. Did you double check to see what she jumped into? Because I did. It was uh, Mar- uh, Marvel Assembled, right? That's what it, the was. Show called. it was. It yeah. was. But I literally went, wait, what'd she jump into? Rewind. No, I, I, I had to, I rewound and saw it too, because I thought she said that, but I wasn't sure. And then uh, when it goes to that part when she's like walking out in, onto the studio and she walks into the writer, writer's room at that point, I was like, no, I got to rewind and see where, <laughs> where she is, you know? But uh, the thing is, I said this last week, but I feel like, this could be a setup for Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. And I don't think they're going to go there anytime soon, <laughs> but if you're familiar with that comic book, 
the the uh, K-E-V-I-N robot or supercomputer, whatever you want to call it, that could be an awesome end villain for Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. So I feel like yeah. those threads could have been set up in this episode. So that's kind of my big takeaway. I think... Um, I think She-Hulk's a very clunky show. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I wish were handled differently, but I did have fun throughout the whole thing. Like, I'm not... I started really enjoying the episode, the show, like, halfway through when I stopped taking it as seriously, and I was just kind of like, no, this is kind of just a dumb, fun, like, superhero comedy, and I kind of took it for what it was, and it's one of those things that when was all was said and done, I was kind of glad. Like, I enjoyed the show, but at the same time... I feel like there could be a different version of the show that I would have liked better, but overall I'm decently satisfied with it. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. The, the fourth wall break, I actually thought to myself, is Kevin Feige actually going to make a cameo? Yes. Marvel show. And then when we saw the robot, Kevin, um, I thought that was hysterical, but did you see the, like, so on the robot, Kevin, there was a piece of the molding or whatever for the, robots camera lens or whatever that said kevin on it but if yes you, but if you looked closely it looked like kevin feige's baseball hat that he's always wearing oh man <laughs> um, no i didn't make that i didn't i didn't notice that but that's i thought funny. that was hilarious but it broke the fourth wall in the level of i was sitting there watching it for a second i go wait a minute is this the end of the mcu right <laughs> especially when she had that moment where she's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a, and she kind of goes on that little monologue, and I was like, are we, like, ending the MCU right here and now? <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of made me laugh. I'm no, absolutely. Watch that. Yeah, I'm and uh, watch that. Um, the last thing I would say about that is I did love that, uh, so the, ro the robot, or I'm going to call it a supercomputer, uh, it's called K-E-V-E-N, and I don't remember what the anagram is, but it's something like, knowledge enhanced something 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 yeah. but it totally reminded me of a uh, modok you know like <laughs> mechanical oh, organism de designed only for killing like it totally fit within like a classic marvel sort of anagram for me so that i thought uh, was pretty awesome i was um, thinking glados from portal but oh <laughs> yeah i hear you <laughs> fair enough but um yeah, I think I was going to say something else, but I can't remember. Um, oh, no. What I was thinking is all the people who didn't finish She-Hulk, I feel like they just don't even know about that Kevin computer at the end of the show. And that's like a really interesting detail when like when you go to see the next Marvel movie in theaters and you hear people in the audience talking about like K-E-V-I-N, like there's probably a lot of people who are going to be lost with that. So that's, that's kind well, of funny as well. well that, but just wait till Scar shows up on the big screen. Oh, yeah. And the world goes, wait, Hulk has a kid. Where'd this come from? What's happening? <laughs> and my brain, when he put and when he's like, I'm going to introduce you guys to my son, Scar. All I could think was, are we going planet Hulk right now? Right. Is yeah, that absolutely. happening? Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I think it is going to eventually, but I'm kind of I was kind of stoked to see to see Scar. But I am kind of in line with the rest of the Internet where I'm going why did you give him that haircut? Like, I don't even understand <laughs> why that haircut was was given. And like, it might harken back to some scar design, but the scar character design I'm used to just has like long hair, you know? So I was a little bit just, that's a really weird sort of like undercut 
man bun sort of haircut to give him and it's kind of really confusing to me but <laughs> but it is what it is so um well that being said uh house of the dragon was ridiculously amazing um mm-hmm. such a such an intense episode i will say that um we had a great dragon moment um i the as we move on with the show i really don't like Kristen cole he irritates me more and more every yep. show. Um, I liked him at the beginning, but he just irritates me more and more. Um, Eamon is awesome. I love that guy. He's he's such a cool, like, as a Targaryen, as a character, I really, really like him. Ever since he got his eye cut out, and it's like, wow, yeah. he's such a cool character now. Um, I want to see his dragon again, though. That's that's bumming me out. But looks like we're oh, going to yeah. get tons of dragon stuff next this week coming because it is the season finale. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any? I I don't have too much to say about House of the Dragon because it was such a solid episode. The show's been solid from the beginning. We have the season finale coming. I can't wait. So. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing I was going to say is like it was really solid. Like you said, it was really intense in a weird way. I feel like it was a little bit of a like not a ton happened. Like I felt like it was one of those episodes where they were just building up the plot and, you know, they're building it up for a big bang bang in the uh, season finale. But with that being said, it was such a solid episode that like, yeah, it was a lot of tension building, a lot of plot building, a lot of dialogue, but it still was awesome. And I just think that just like, it's just another, it just goes to show how great the show is you know what I mean and I don't want to sell the short show short by saying not a lot happened but that was kind of my thoughts about this is like I don't know if I have a lot of specifics to say it's just really really solid but I think your uh comments on Amond is definitely really cool and like you're, you're right uh uh Sir Kristen Cole like he he did start off as a character I really liked and he just gets more annoying every episode so uh he's got I a really they're... punchable face too so I <laughs> Well, it didn't seem that way at first, but uh, it yeah, it's tell. definitely. Yeah, um, I, I saw uh, this like TikTok video about how different characters are aging in Game of Thrones. And they talked about how he doesn't seem to age at all. <laughs> like over, I don't know how many years it's been. He still looks exactly the same. And I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, no, uh, definitely good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, did you watch the Lord of the Rings season finale? No, that's another one that I'm behind on and I really want to watch, but it's just so <laughs> it's this is this is the show that's really daunting for me because I know it's going to take a big time chunk for me to actually get caught up on. But uh, wow. if you want to spoil anything, go for it. I'm totally cool with that. So I, what I'll spoil is, is that this is what I will spoil. So if you're if you're caught, if you're not caught up on Lord of the Rings, I'm going to spoil this. Um, you learn who Sauron is cool i think we all kind of saw that coming going into the show like as the show progressed okay we're gonna get sauron and all that stuff you find out that a certain character oh that is gandalf okay you know um or at least we're pretty sure it's gandalf by the end of the episode Uh, (laughs) there's some stuff like that and then on top of that the episode by itself was kind of boring (laughs) irritated me for a season finale i was like i really feel none of what i watched felt in my opinion important the way i was expecting it to feel and by the way 
my review here is not comparing it to Game of Thrones at all because that's unfair. And I've been thinking about this. The only thing I should be comparing this show to is the Peter Jackson films because of the lore and all that stuff. And I found myself very – I found the show very, in my opinion, lackluster and not nearly as exciting as I was hoping it was going to be. Um, I'm probably going to be in for season two as we go. I think they set the stage for a lot of cool stuff for what's going to come. But – I felt it was very, it, it was too much of a slow burn. I didn't really care enough about the characters. Um, I don't feel like they made me care enough about the characters. Um, I, right. Production value wise, like for being a billion dollar show, there was a lot of, in my opinion, mistakes. And right. it, what bummed me out is that over the weekend, um, there was a uh, Lord of the Rings was on TV and I was just doing stuff around the house. And I flipped it on just for a minute, just for background noise. And I stopped and look at the screen and I'm like, this physically looks better than everything I've seen on the show. Yeah, it's it was weird to me. I was like, hold on. This movie's like almost 20 years old and it physically looks better than almost anything that the Amazon show has. And one has a. As, as like a quadruple size budget for it. And I was, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit. So yeah, this look, there's some cool things and I set the stage, but overall I found myself kind of bored during that season finale. So, so I feel like Amazon has had their TV shows and movies, but I feel like this is the first thing they've done with this big of a, of a scope. And probably this is the first thing they've done with this big of a, loyal dedicated fan base and i feel like or at least i hope i hope that they've learned a lot from this experience because i feel like we talked about this earlier but the marketing for the show did feel really off where it's almost like they were marketing based on the budget as opposed to the merits of the actual show itself um i think i think the first like three or four episodes that i actually did watch i did at some moments felt a little bit like they were really married to like every episode has to be one hour where I feel like in the streaming world, like certain shows will have like, like, especially with Disney star Wars, I feel like certain episodes will have like a half an hour runtime. And then the next episode will be like an hour plus like Disney star Wars is a great example of like each chapter is just going to be the length that needs to be where like with Lord of the Rings rings of power, I felt like, some of the episodes didn't necessarily have to be a full hour, but they were just like married to that time length and stuff. And I feel like maybe a lot of the shortcomings of the show will be like remedied later on. Cause again, like this is like a huge undertaking that they went through. And uh, I think there was some awesome, I think that it's like, from what I've seen, there was some awesome moments. I think, most people who watch the whole thing would say there were some great moments, but there's also definitely some shortcomings. So the real interesting thing is going to see be like, where do they go from here? You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I hear you. Well, I got two quick reviews and then we, let's talk about the news, shall we? Um, Sounds I good. watched, unless you got something else. Nope. Nope. We, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I was like Game of Thrones and She-Hulk. So <laughs> sure. I watched DC Super Pets. Oh, uh, nice. It's look, it's a cartoon. It's fun. There's a lot of fun stuff to it. That'll make you laugh. Um, 
it's not all animals. Um, all the superhero, all the entire Justice League is present and represented. Um, so that was kind of fun to uh, watch through. So everybody's in there. Um, it's not a everybody has a pet, but it's like each pet represents a different. Like yeah. you have crypto, obviously, for Superman, you have Ace or Batman. But like there's a squirrel that is clearly like the Flash representation. He's not like the Flash's pet, but he's clearly the Flash representation. You know what I mean? So, yeah. oh, no, the squirrel's the wreck. The squirrel was Green Lantern. The turtle was the Flash representation. <laughs> um, That's funny. And, and it was funny because later the turtle, uh, the shell of the turtle looked like Jay Garrett's Flash helmet. Um, from classic Flash. So there's some really cool. <laughs> Is that like, an original like, character for the movie? Because that sounds extremely clever. Um, it might be. I didn't dig yeah. deep into that. Um, so it was overall, it was fun. It had some really cool Easter eggs. One thing that's interesting is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock voices Crypto. Um, right. And when you get to the end of the movie, I was like, well, there's got to be a bonus scene. There's no way they did this without a bonus scene. So scroll to the end. There's a bonus scene at the end of the credits. I'm going to spoil this because I thought it was interesting. End credits. Um, there's a lightning bolt that hits and it's Black Adam, but it's the dog. It's the dog version of Black Adam talking to crypto. So it's crypto voiced by the rock talking to Black Adam dog voiced by the rock. And <laughs> Superman standing off to the side sees that crypto has met a new dog and he's trying to like decide like should i go over there and intervene and then black adam voiced by the rock appears <laughs> uh, nice. so it was just it was a really kind of funny bonus scene um and they had and they, like they all kind of shared dialogue words and stuff like that and that kind of ends but i was like that was funny so <laughs> well um, i do love how everybody's calling for the rock to be like the new face and like almost creative force behind dc the you know the dceu since he's in a movie that hasn't come out yet i know it's coming out super soon but it's just funny that everybody's like really rallying behind the rock right now without even having seen black adam yet <laughs> but uh this is a movie the uh league of super pets i've put this on for my son um on hbo and i watched about 10 minutes of it and then i it was kind of one of those things i had to do other things i really want to finish this movie though from what i saw i thought it looked great uh my biggest takeaway was i really loved uh from the very first scene how they it's kind of like they do a really cool uh homage to the original like richard donner superman film with the whole like uh krypton sequence and how they send off you know they send yeah. kal-el off to earth but they send him with crypto in the little rocket but a lot of those classic richard donner uh krypton uh design elements are there and so i thought that was really cool to see um kind of something i love about dc is when they reuse and uh really pay homage to their previous uh movies and stuff like that i love that sort of thing so that was awesome um and then i also watched a movie called the luckiest girl alive on netflix <laughs> uh i watched part of this as well <laughs> um it, oh ultimately the movie is very very well written and um executed and filmed with some really really clever filming techniques um in this movie um I will say that it is an incredibly hard watch. I don't know how far you got, but there are some stuff that gets really uncomfortable and hard to sit through. Um, oh, I gotcha. Like, it gets, like, 
so it's about a girl who works for she's a journalist and she's being um kind of headhunted i guess you could say by a guy trying to make a film documentary about a school shooting because she's a former student of that school and she's trying and she's been trying to avoid it like i don't want to do the documentary black kind of thing well she's dealing with her inner demons because there was because of the school shooting you're seeing these flashbacks to what was going on in the school and you find out that she was involved in a way but didn't actually she wasn't there with a gun shooting people but she was involved in something happened during the shooting um and because of what happened during the shooting is all predicated on the fact that something happened to her at a party yeah there's some things that are very uncomfortable throughout but i think it was really really it was a really good well-written movie um mila kunis was great in it um as the lead actress um so if you're looking to watch it the only warning i'll give you is that it, there's some stuff that's uncomfortable to sit through so yeah yeah definitely um some heavy subject matter and this is this is a movie that like i watched about half of and then uh I kind of there's like some stuff I had to do around the house and whatnot. So I kind of like went in and out of the room and caught different parts. So um, sure. I didn't give this the best proper watch, which is why I didn't rec- uh, didn't mention it before. But I kind of agree where like uh, I did enjoy what I saw a lot of it. And it just kind of seemed like a really solid sort of um I don't know if it'd be considered a thriller or just a drama, but it did seem kind of like a pretty solid movie in that vein where, um, I don't know, it had the fun, like, mystery of, like, what exactly happened within her past and, like, what is she hiding from her current yeah. uh, fiancé and her current life and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty solid overall from everything I saw. So, yeah. All right. Well, that kind of rounds that up. You want to talk about the news? Yeah. For sure. Cool. All right. Almost everything tonight is DC related. Um, some, of them are, <laughs> some of them are quick. Some of them are not. Um, all right. But we'll knock out the Marvel stuff real quick. Last week, we talked about how Harrison Ford was rumored to be replacing um, William Hurt as Thunderbolt Ross. And that seems odd to me because we've dealt with Thunderbolt Ross for as long as we have. And I think they just want a body in there for the sake of the, and you know, they got to get Red Hulk in there somehow, right? So <laughs> yeah. um, they're trying to figure it out. So Harrison Ford officially will be joining the MCU as Thunderbolt <laughs> Ross. Um, there was a quote I had here, I think. Yeah, and he will be, his first appearance will be in Captain America 4. So that's when we'll see him the first time as Thunderbolt Ross. Um, and Harrison Ford said this. Uh, Harrison Ford reveals uh, he joined the Marvel Cinematic Universe after Disney threatened his family with an ultimatum on his 100-acre farm. They had my wife and kids gunned to their heads and said, it's either Han Solo again or Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, Which I thought was really funny. So um, Harrison Ford, he's always been that blue-collar actor. He's there for the job. He's there to get a paycheck. He doesn't look into the fame the way some people do. So, but he's loves to make fun of it. There's that, um, do you, did you ever see the footage of the Comic-Con panel at Hall H when John Favreau introduced the cast for Cowboys versus Aliens? No. <laughs> okay. So Cowboys versus Aliens, John, I forgot John, about that movie. <laughs> John Favreau written and directed, uh, Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde. It's basically a Western where yeah. aliens attack and the cowboys are like 
what do we do? And it's basically a Western with an alien invasion. They brought Harrison Ford to Comic-Con to do the panel. So they're introducing everybody. And then when they introduced Harrison Ford, police officers escorted Harrison Ford in and he was handcuffed because they like arrested him and dragged him to Comic-Con because he was refusing to go. And Harrison <laughs> Ford and Harrison Ford never broke character the entire time. That's <laughs> but awesome. He, but he did it as a joke because the big joke was Harrison Ford will never go to a Comic-Con. So that's great. Um, I thought it was funny. So he's always well, had a good sense of humor about that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny um, thinking of the Han Solo uh, comment, which I don't know if there's, I was going to say there's always a, a truth in every lie, you know, or every conspiracy theory, there's a nugget of truth. And like, I think it's kind of funny to think like, you know, maybe they didn't give him that ultimatum, uh, you know, MCU or Han Solo, but maybe they did. But knowing about um, Harrison Ford's like things I've heard that he said in the past about how he always felt like Han Solo should pass away in the Star Wars movies, like he should meet a, tra a tragic end. It makes me realize, like, of course, he would choose to go into the MCU and uh, Harrison Ford is Thunderbolt Ross. I think that sounds awesome. Um, again, like uh, William Hurt passed away. So I don't know if it's I don't know how if it's going to be perceived as like a tasteful choice or not. But, you know, Harrison Ford as that role sounds amazing um, related to Red Hulk. One thing I really enjoyed about the Red Hulk comics when they were coming out is uh, Marvel Comics really played up this sort of who or what is the Red Hulk. And, uh, you know, we all know it's Thunderbolt Ross at this point, but I do kind of feel like the MCU did have a unique opportunity where they could have still played up that mystery. Like they could still have us guessing and it could be one of those things like Thunderbolt Ross is out of the picture. So who really is the Red Hulk and uh, the Red Hulk character sure. just shows up and then we have to figure out what the heck's going on. That could have been a really exciting choice, but either way I'm on board. It all sounds, uh, it all sounds great. So, yeah. Well, here's a piece of casting that I think is absolutely brilliant, and I kind of can't wait to see this come out. We've been speculating that Mephisto has been like a background character kind of like in the Marvel dealings for a long time. And they've been dropping Easter eggs that we've been like, are they, is that, are they talking about Mephisto? It's Mephisto, right? It's, it's going to happen. Like, that's what they're talking about. That's where we've all been. And um, officially, Sasha Baron Cohen has reportedly been cast as Mephisto. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> I know. It just it seems too perfect. Um, and they said he'll be cast as Mephisto for Ironheart. Um, OK, which I thought which I thought was interesting that it'll be the Ironheart will be where the appearance will be. So nice. Um, all right. DC News. There's some big stuff here. First off, first and foremost, we have Black Adam coming out. Now, did you by any chance watch The Rock's interview on Jimmy Fallon? This no. Past? Okay. The Rock goes on Jimmy Fallon to promote Black Adam like he would do because he's making the you know talk show rounds. And one of the things that he said when he was when Fallon asked him about the movie, he said, "We are making a DC movie. I've been a DC fan my whole life. I really wanted to play this character." He started talking about his love of Black Adam, and he's like, "I always loved Superman. He was always my favorite." And then I found out about who Black Adam was, and then I started to really love the character. And he's like, yeah. And he said, "It was 15 years ago today that I got announced as Black Adam, and we've been trying to make this movie ever since." And The Rock was talking about how 
he has fought incredibly hard to get the studio to realize they need to listen to the fans. Nice. And he goes, yeah, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, they're all great characters, but there's a layer beyond that where DC has some amazing characters. He's like, yeah, you still want your big guys in there, but there's stuff that we haven't seen yet. So he's like, if you watch the trailer, you know we're dealing with, you know, Adam Smasher and Hawkman and Dr. Fate and like all these other great characters that, you know, we're putting in this movie. And he's like, I think this is a game changer for the DC movies. And I was like, it was really great hearing that. But what made me really happy was him going, we have to listen to the fans because the fans are upset. The fans have been screaming and we got to listen to them. And I loved hearing The Rock say that. That being said, Walter Hamada has officially left Warner Brothers and this, uh, walked off the lot. That's crazy. So he's no longer with it. One of the proponents against the Snyderverse is gone. Another one. So that's Ann Sarnoff. That's Jason Kalar. That's Walter Hamada. It's kind of like get these people out because they don't understand. And let's bring in the people that do. The problem with this is he left and we have no um, chairperson right now. Um, so DC is currently charting in a truly unknown territory with a leader to guide the stable of some of the biggest and best pop culture characters in the world. This is from the same story, by the way, of Walter Motto leaving. DC yeah. is, seeing, is seeing a secret but dramatic land grab amongst some of the biggest players in Hollywood, including James Gunn and Dwayne Johnson, because James Gunn has like multiple DC projects in the work right now. Uh, Dwayne Johnson has been rallying cries for Black Adam versus Superman movie, while Gunn is, has one or two new DC projects he'd like to take on. Matt Reeves yeah. is also developing films on the Batman villains, and Warner Brothers is an expectant interest and intense desire for a new Superman movie starring Henry Cavill. Yep. And a script for Wonder Woman 3 is expected imminently, and a script for the sequel of The Flash is already being written. Like, that's a lot with no one at the helm, where they want the Kevin Feige, and they've been quiet because they skipped out, they basically skipped out on Comic-Con. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't. Yeah. But they kind of did in the sense of we have nothing to bring to the table because we don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that being said, a new Superman film with Henry Cavill is ve in very early stages, locked in place, greenlit, ready to go. Yeah. Um, awesome. This comes from The Hollywood Reporter. And I found this posted several other places. I have to believe this is true. But how many times have we heard we got to get Henry Cavill back? How many yeah. times have we heard this? It's probably going to be Man of Steel 2, but and I'm I'm optimistic in the sense that I'm pretty sure this is going to happen. Okay? So, amazing. I can't wait. This is great. Great news, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um The Flash script has apparently reportedly already been written and it already specifically is focusing on Ezra Miller's Flash. He's, okay. he's still the flash like we haven't seen the movie we haven't seen the flash movie yet and because if he's not in jail or anything by the time he's not in jail the script reportedly follows him so yeah okay so we got a flash 2 script in the works great um then this this i found interesting in terms of all this like new stuff and dwayne johnson saying stuff like there's all these great characters apparently the constantine series the Zatanna movie and the Madam X movie were all canceled. 
All right. Uh, now, the Constantine series being canceled, we just found out that Keanu Reeves is going to be Constantine again. Yeah, I know. That's I, that's why I'm, so, I'm kind of confused about. Well, so if they're going to if they're going to make a movie canceling the series kind of makes oh, sense. Oh, OK. I didn't realize there was a Constantine series in, yeah, in the works, I mean, so. There was, but I completely forgot about it when the Keanu Reeves news came out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, I'm a little bummed that the, the Zatanna movie is being canceled because I think Zatanna is a fantastic. I've always liked Zatanna. And yeah. I was kind of hoping that they were going to build to Justice League Dark or Shade. And that way it's not confused. Like Justice League, the title Justice League Dark doesn't confuse anyone. The average goer like, wait, I saw the Justice League. What does this mean? Justice League Dark. I don't know. You know. Yeah, there's, I, I worry that there's a confusion there for the people not in the know. But Shade is an organization that I thought maybe, oh, well, maybe they can call the movie Shade, which is an anagram. Right. But Zatanna could fit right in there. And but I just always thought she was a fantastic character. And I'm not familiar enough with Madame X, but those are some properties that um, are off the table now. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is the last of the DC. And this has me like in, very interested but like kind of squeamish too. Matt Reeves is planning the Batman spinoff movies and series focused on Batman's rogue galleries. Characters mentioned are Scarecrow, Clayface, and Professor Pig. Okay. Awesome. First off, Clayface, a live action Clayface. I would love to see that. Such a cool idea. I would love to see that on the big screen. It'd be fantastic, especially in Matt Reeves' universe. Yes. And how do you do that character in right. like such a hyper realistic way, you know? Right. After watching the Batman and seeing how they handled the Penguin, the Riddler, the new Joker um, and Catwoman, Scarecrow would be terrifying. In yes. A Matt universe. <laughs> Unbelievably terrifying in a Matt Reeves universe. And the one that makes me squirm a bit is Professor Pig. This is a yeah. deep cut. But if you know your Batman lore... This guy is a psycho beyond psycho. This is <laughs> this guy is a bloody, brutal monster of a psycho serial killer. And to see Matt Reeves tackle that, that's insane. Um, yeah, I could I could see like Joel, Joel Schumacher's version of Professor Pig would probably still be really disturbing. So imagining yeah. the rat Matt Reeves version <laughs> yeah. definitely it sounds like it's going to be nightmare fuel. So yeah. anyway, there's a lot of good news there. Um, I'm a little bummed about the Zatanna news, but there's a lot of good I'm hearing. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for us. So um yeah, that's it on the DC news. Um, I make I, I really want to watch the Batman again. I've only watched it the one time in the theater, and I haven't watched it since it's got home for home view. Yeah, I got you. You dropped like a ton of uh, knowledge right there, and I think the DC EU is like definitely going through some growing pains. You know, we had like like you mentioned like uh, uh, Zatanna, Madam X, like the Constantine series being canceled, which I, we knew there was going to be some shakeups coming, but. I feel like most of this news is really, really good. I'm, of course, especially stoked for this Man of Steel 2. Uh, like, it might not be titled Man of Steel 2, but new Superman movie starring Henry Cavill announcement. Like, that is amazing. My only gripe is, like, Man of Steel came out in 2013, so I've essentially been looking forward to the sequel for going on 10 years now. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, finally you're getting to this, you know? But definitely all really good news the other thing is like 
the amount of um, creative, um, I guess, control. I feel like that's the wrong word, but the amount that uh, James Gunn and, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson are kind of repping the DC EU right now, I feel like that's actually really good news because both of those people, you know, Dwayne Johnson as an actor and uh, James Gunn as like a writer, director, etc. I feel like both of those individuals have such a solid track record right now. Like, I feel like I wouldn't want anybody else rep- representing yeah. the DC cinematic universe. Like, these are two guys that every time they release a movie, like they just print money with it. And I'm just kind of like, you know lfg let's go (laughs) this this all sounds awesome so yep well let's talk about um the biggest story that needs to be discussed um the twister sequel is going to start filming in spring of 2023 well there it is it it, there it is right there um it's going to be called twisters and it has been fast-tracked for an early 2023 filming start. <laughs> I mean, the um, first movie could have been called Twisters. <laughs> the first movie could have been called Twisters. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, and, I wouldn't be surprised if I watch it, but, yeah. And they want, Helen Hunt, they want Helen Hunt to come back. So Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, that is it for the news. Um, you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's, got let's something else you want to drop on the news plate? Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the news. So let's talk about tonight's list and roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter. Okay, this week was my list. Um, Did you... All right, so let me... We live in a world of feminist movements and women empowerment and, like, a lot of weird stuff in the news and everything, right? There was a time in storytelling where... um, And a lot of this is predicated on Westerns and old-school fantasy stuff... um, with, uh, you know, the damsel in distress, the rescuing the princess, the uh, the quest to, you know, you know, the old school Western where imagine those old cartoons where the villain ties up the girl and puts her on the train track. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the uh, the princess in the tower, like Rapunzel and the, you know, the guy's going to come and rescue her and whatnot. There was a time in storytelling when that was a thing. Yeah. Um, and I was reading through a Twitter feed. It was kind of like something caught my attention and I opened up the thing and I started like scrolling through the Twitter comments and stuff. And it dawned on me, what a cool list. Our top five favorite damsels in, the, in distress or the top five favorite rescuing the princess moments, I guess you could say. That's a good way of putting it. Um, and I was like, I wonder if I could put together a list of five. So I tried putting together a list of five long before I even gave you the idea of doing this list. And um, I found it easy and I found it difficult and stuff like that. I will say that my list is not, they're not all damsels in distress. And a lot of them are very strong female heroic characters. Um, It's just the way the story plays out that makes them the rescue the princess kind of moment, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just thought it'd be kind of fun to go through because a lot of times in like a lot of storytelling, that was a story crutch. That was a story hook, if you will, where, you know, I mean, think about Mario Brothers rescuing the princess. You know what I mean? It, it It's just it's as simple as that. So I don't know if you found this difficult to put together or not. Um, thoughts? I found it difficult to an extent because I just I think the damsel in distress sort of characters were never like my favorite characters growing up and stuff like sure. that. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I think I did start to see on my list like a lot of the characters I picked were a lot of the ones that were more so like a lot of them are really strong female characters. So it's like certain ones, it's like it's weird to put them as a damsel in distress, but at the same time, they totally were in certain cases. And I can elaborate sure. on that uh, more as we go on. But um, uh, I have yeah, one I don't honorable know. mention, by the way. I don't know. About I, you. I actually don't have any this week just because I found it a little bit uh, difficult. But um, oh, no, the other thing I was going to say is rescue the prim- princess moments. I felt like. Um, for my list, that actually feels a little bit weird because a lot of the characters I picked are like these sort of long standing characters who have been around for a long time. And it's not necessarily like a specific moment like I had in mind. It's just more like this character has been a damsel in distress so many times and they're one of my favorites sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I only have uh, I only have five picks for this week. So. Where I actually thought we would have matched a bunch. We I, might, we, we have, might. We still we might, might, you know. We might match. I'm just saying I had I thought we'd match a bunch, but I'm feeling like we might have completely different lists. Um, <laughs> so since I have a honorable mention, my first honorable mention is Princess Peach from Mario Brothers. Nice. Um, this chick bothered the crap out of me because she was never in the right castle. Yeah. And how, <laughs> and how many times did you get to the like castle and you defeat the bad guy and you're like, yes. And then she's like, I'm sorry, I'm in another castle. Somehow she's telling you. So she's just basically leading on in this wild goose chase the whole time. <laughs> um, she bugged me because she was never where I needed her to be. Um, so that's the only reason I put her as honorable mention. But um. <laughs> uh, this can be a good segue because my first. This is really this is, uh, this is this is on my honorable mention literally as a joke. Talk about how she was never in the castle when I needed to watch her to be in. <laughs> Well, it's a good segue because that's actually my first actual pick is uh, Princess Peach. That's funny. And um, I feel like within Mario lore, I feel like Princess Peach probably has a lot more to her character than being that original damsel in distress. But this is a character who throughout my childhood, like going to friends houses and playing like the Mario Brothers games and stuff. Princess Peach was always a presence there. And it was it was always like. You're trying to beat the game because you got to rescue the princess. Why do you have to rescue the princess? I don't know. That's just what you do. And every time you think you're about to rescue her, oh, no, she's in another castle. And it was just such a Princess Peach, I feel like. And I don't want to say anything bad, but I feel like she is like a pretty simple character. But she's really left her place on the world of pop culture. Like she's left such a strong um you know, Mark on the world of small culture or pop culture that like we, we definitely had to mention her. So I don't have too much else to say. Just like this had to make my list for uh, 
Well, it makes me, under <laughs> now it makes me wonder, is there going to be a moment in the Mario Brothers movie where she's not going to be in the castle? <laughs> yeah, there should be. <laughs> uh, we shall see. Um, all right. So my first pick of the night is Princess Leia. Um, you'd think that she might be higher on my list or like I would have saved her for a little bit longer. But I never, ever felt that Princess Leia was a damsel in distress. I never yeah. got that vibe because she's such a strong, heroic character. you got to remember, her first line of the film is not, Obi, uh, Obi, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. Her first line of the movie is Darth Vader. I, you know, you would be so bold. The Senate wants to still for this blah, blah, blah. She's mouthing off to Vader. She's the only character in the movie that mouths off to Vader, and it's right off the bat. <laughs> um, yeah. The only other character that tries to mouth off to Vader is Madi, and he gets choked. So, <laughs> um, she's got she's got some spunk to us, spunk to her, and she's a she's a, a very famous, iconic, classic, um, strong female heroine. But the reason she makes this list is because she is a classic swashbuckling, fast-paced adventure rescue the princess. You know, yeah. the Luke Skywalker, I'm, you know, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. You know what I mean? That old school mythological rescue the princess moment, Luke Skywalker taking up the sword and going to get the girl. Um, and then he, you even, that's why you even have that, you know, chasm, you know, the swing across the chasm. That was the big stunt in the movie. You know, we got to make this work. Um, that's why she makes this list specifically. Um, but she's never a damsel in distress, in my opinion. She is straight. This is a rescue the princess. She's in this cell block. We gotta go get her. We gotta storm the. We gotta storm the castle and go get the princess back. Um, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. So we matched on this pick, and I this was actually this one we did. So <laughs> I actually was gonna save Princess Leia for the very end, but she. Um, this is like I said before. Like it's really weird because I always thought of her as this really strong female character. And so it is weird to put her in this category, but she definitely was that sort of, you know, you go back to A New Hope, like she is that rescue, like we got to rescue the princess, sort of damsel in distress, like that sort of role she definitely played. But not only does is she like mouthing off to Vader, like Luke and Han show up to rescue her and she's like mouthing off to them, you know, like, are you a little too <laughs> short to be a stormtrooper? Like, this is a character with so much sass and like, I love that aspect of her personality. And then going into the whole like uh, uh, Return of the Jedi when she's, you know, she has the whole like slave Leia outfit and she is captive of Jabba the Hutt and kind of again is sort of in that sort of damsel in distress um, situation, but she's also the one who ends up killing Jabba the Hutt. And she like really just shows her like uh, presence as like this really strong character. So I've, I think I enjoyed both of those sort of damsel in distress moments a lot from this character. But again, this one felt really weird. And most of my list is kind of that way where it's like, I guess this is my favorite damsel in distress, but this is also a really strong character that I never really viewed that way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about the Ewok thing for a minute. Cause she was, uh, she had her Ewok moment um, where like she was in the Ewok village. Um, you got to remember though, Ewoks eat people. Yep. So she comes out in that like dress that the Ewoks give her. The only thing I can think is the only place they would have gotten that dress is if they ate someone and they had it laying around for her. <laughs> Just saying. Ewoks are scary, people. 
Um, that's right. that's kind of that's kind of a good point because I always people always point out that Ewoks eat people, and I always think like, do they eat people or do they just eat meat and they just eat whatever they can find? But the dress is actually a really good uh, point to point out. Like that that's either from another human or another humanoid esque creature that they killed <laughs> off. So, um, so my next one is Princess Aurora. Or Sleeping Beauty from the movie Sleeping Beauty. Okay, uh, classic. Specifically, specifically because this is a classic um, rescue the princess scenario. This is the um, specifically this is the girl falls for the guy. They fall in love with each other. The evil queen comes and like no 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 no, no this is how it's gonna be. She puts her to sleep. So she's a really strong character. And she probably would have put up a fight if it wasn't for the magic spell that put her asleep. So she was kind of stuck in the whim of a madman, if you will. And, you know, the prince had to come rescue her. Um, yeah. But it's like it's that classic fairy tale um, rescue the princess moment. And it's an, it's a great adventure. And it's an intense, perilous journey to get there, too. Yeah. Uh, and the battle and everything. So this has always been one of my favorites. Um so this is one that I thought of pretty early on when I came up with the idea for this list. So, yeah, I think this is a classic pick. It uh, it didn't make my list, but definitely a good call. And uh, I think when it goes to like classic fairy tale depictions, like I'm admittedly not super familiar with the original Sleeping Beauty fairy tale. So for me, it always goes back to the old Disney film. But it's such a classic, like you have the evil queen and the uh, captive princess and the prince has to go save her and he has to fight a dragon, you know, to get into the castle. And it's so like classic quintessential sort of fairy tale imagery and related to the imagery, like especially the dragon, like the way that the dragon was stylized in the old uh, Disney animated movie looks really cool. And it's a really kind of just a cool, iconic stand the test of time sort of style to animate a dragon for a movie that I'm going to guess is what, like at least 40, 50, 60 years old. I'm not exactly yeah. sure when it came out, but that's a, it still looks cool when you go back and look at that old animation. And uh, I think it's definitely a good call. Um, I never, I I've only seen sleeping beauty, the movie like once or twice in my whole lifetime. So I think it's like, I've never, been extremely connected to this character but i definitely no, understand why you picked it and i definitely think it's a good call and definitely a classic pick so sure um all right man uh what is your next one yeah so uh my next one um i went with uh mary jane watson from uh spider-man and uh <laughs> this is one of those characters that she's been around so long in so many different stories She's not always a damsel in distress, but she definitely is in a lot of the stories. And she's a definitely a character who I think is a um, she is a very strong female character. But she's like, I don't know, definitely one of my favorite Spider-Man characters and definitely fills that sort of damsel in distress uh, motif at certain moments. Uh, my this is one where, like, I feel like if I was going to pick a favorite Mary Jane Watson damsel in distress moment, I would probably go to the end of the, uh, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie when you have that classic, like 
Spider-Man's fighting Green Goblin on the bridge, and he has to choose between saving the sort of like chairlift full of civilians or saving Mary Jane. And you know that Spider-Man's going to figure out a way to save them both, (laughs) but you're still watching in suspense. And uh, I love those sort of moments. But uh, yeah, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Mary Jane, but uh, I know Spider-Man's had a couple different sort of like love interests throughout his comic career, but Mary Jane was always my favorite personally. So yeah. Um, Spider-Man Spider-Man is weird to me because I feel like the big damsel in distress in the Spider-Man comics is actually Aunt May. Um, oh, you're right. You you are so right. That's probably who it should have been. More, more so than Mary Jane. I always, I mean, yeah, I've always liked Mary Jane. And um, I, I, my, I like Mary Jane the best when, okay, Mary Jane and Peter Parker, when they're married post-divorce. That's when I liked Mary Jane the best. It's weird to say because he had all those high school years. He had the college years. They got married. They split up. They got remarried. It was yeah, after it's a very got, specific moment. To say. It was it was after they got remarried that I ended up really liking her as a character more than any other time because okay the first marriage there was a lot of her just being angry all the time at Peter Parker for being Spider Man and wanting him to quit. And then Venom shows up and he's got to go deal with it. But she's just like, well, I guess you're going to have to go deal with that. And then Spider-Man's about to quit again. And then Carnage shows up and she's like, well, I guess so. Like, if you go back and read some of those books, she's kind of a bitch. (laughs) Um, So, um, but Aunt May is the one that Peter Parker made the most excuses for. Um, That it's always, I got to go hang out with Aunt May. I got to go do this with Aunt May. I got to go check on Aunt May. Like, I got to go rescue Aunt May. I got to, like... She's yeah. more, you know, so um, I don't <laughs> I don't dislike Mary Jane. I feel like I like Mary Jane in a specific era. Um, in terms that's of that's interesting. In terms of the girlfriends, I always think I like Gwen Stacy better. But. OK, fair enough. I think yeah. that um, I don't know. I grew up so much on that. Uh, the 90s Spider-Man animated series where Mary Jane was just the most prevalent throughout that series. So that's always like what I go back to. But I think you're totally right. Aunt May in the Spider-Man mythos is definitely like the biggest damsel in distress, but I still, I still would pick Mary Jane over her if I was going for a character that I liked more. And again, Mary Jane is not a character who, who is always portrayed in that way, but she definitely has her memorable damsel in distress moments, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So my third pick of the night is Marion Ravenwood from Indiana Jones. Oh, good call. Um, Marion is such a great female character. Such a great, like, heroine. Um, I'm specifically referring to Marion from Raiders and not Crystal Skull. Um, Crystal Skull, she was just in a different place in her life. But when you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark, this is your first introduction to the character. Um, she's spunky. She's feisty. She fights back. Not just the Nazis, but she fights Indy. Um, but she clearly still is in love with Indy. And she's along for the adventure and... Um, such a great character and Karen Allen was, was fantastic as the character, but one of the, the part in the movie that makes Marion really shine for me is right after the drinking contest. So she's in that <laughs> drinking contest with the guy, right? Yeah. And eventually the, the bar gets cleared out and Indy comes in and starts talking to her. But if you listen to the dialogue that Indy has with Marion, they wrote they were so smart writing that scene. I think more so than any other scene. But if you watch them play that scene out, there's clearly a relationship that Indian Marion had 
when they were kids or a long, long time ago, and you're picking up on the back end of the relationship. And it's so well, the dialogue so well put together. It's one of my favorite parts in the scene is listening to those two, like kind of talk that out. And like, he's like, Hey, I'm looking for your father, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, that was years ago. I was just a kid, but you know, and listening to them talk is like, wow, wait, I want to see that movie. Can you go back a little bit and tell me that story? <laughs> um, it's such a cool moment, but I've always liked her as that character. And she's the character that's along on the adventure. It's not just a rescue the princess thing. Like, yeah, there's yeah. some where like, you know, get the girl out of danger, but she's along on the adventure and she's there for the ride. So yeah, Marion Ravenwood, that's, that was what I had there. So yeah, this is yeah. another one where uh, definitely good call, but this is another one where I didn't even think of her for my list. Cause I just never thought of her as a, uh, damsel in distress like i always just thought she was like you know she's that strong female character she's along for the adventure sort of thing but i think, I think you're, you're right there's probably a ton of moments where she fills that role but i just never i think, saw I think her that, that was the goal for her like you gotta remember like spielberg wanted to make james bond but he was never going to get to because of the rules and how they select the directors for james bond and george lucas said well i have a character that's like james bond and i think a little better and he told him about Indiana Jones. Yeah. And if you look at it, the Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark is very structured like a Bond film. Yeah. And if you go and look at the Bond movies, the Bond girls, they all have their, yeah, they're strong characters, but they all have that rescue the princess vibe, if you will. Um, and I think that was the ultimate goal of Marion. Um, it just became, you know, just became what it was. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of goes to show that, like, Spielberg couldn't do his Bond sequel. And because of that, we ended up getting Indiana Jones and we got this amazing new franchise that has been celebrated and loved for years. And I kind of feel like, you know, I know all these current studio execs are listening to us, but seriously, make some new crap. <laughs> like, we don't need just, ad you know, adaptations of old stuff. Make some new stuff because what's going to be the next Indiana Jones? You know, we're in this, we're stuck in this world of sequels and reboots and adaptations all the time, but I'm sorry to go off on that tangent. It's just kind of what I thought of right away. Like, yeah, Indiana Jones is awesome. And it's a new thing that came out from Spielberg, not being able to make the next James Bond. So I think there's something to be said for that. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your second to last pick of the night? Yeah. So my next one, um, I might, be surprising you drew that i didn't save this for last but uh i went with uh lois lane actually which i'm sure is no surprise to you but i this expect is a this to be on your list and yes i expect this to be your last one so okay so this is a character who's been around for a super like i think 80 years at this point or so but this is a character who she's been around for such a long time she has played more or less the damsel in distress at plenty of moments like i feel like lois lane as far as like american literature and pop culture i feel like she is one of the quintessential examples of a damsel in distress you know like lex luther kidnaps lois superman has to save her lois is in trouble the dam burst superman has to save her before she gets engulfed by the water i feel like there's hundreds or not even hundreds thousands of examples of this character being a damsel in distress at the same time, I never saw her that way. Like, I'm so used to the uh, the new adventures of Superman, like the t the Bruce Tim animated series where she always seemed like such a 
strong, like badass character. You know, this is somebody who's a reporter. This is somebody who can hold their own on the streets. This is somebody who, like Princess Leia, like she might get kidnapped, but she's still going to have that sass. She's still going to give her captor a hard time. Um, And so it's one of those things like, I think I was always more attracted to the strong side of Lois Lane. Like, I don't know if I have any favorite damsel in distress moments just because I, I never really thought of her that way, but she totally fits that mold, especially when you dig into like a lot of the older stories. But honestly, at the top of my head, like the biggest, like maybe damsel in distress moment that I can think from her that I like really enjoy is probably the, uh, in Batman v Superman, where, where she is sort of more or less kidnapped by Lex Luthor, and he kind of does it just to bring uh, Superman in before he fights uh, Batman and all that. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Lois Lane. I'm sure you, you do, well, Drew. But you said basically, you said it. <laughs> um, and saying that a quintessential is probably the best way of describing it. Um, yeah, for, for like American specific storytelling, like I feel like she is one of the main damsels in distress from our culture. Sorry to I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just feel no, like it's, that's it's true, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the, and what's interesting is there's a uh, voiced by Dana Delaney uh, from the Superman animated series, um, specifically World's Finest uh, two three parter that they did which would be the world's finest Batman Superman movie or the animated film. Yeah. Um, she is on an airplane. Um, she's on, I, I could, was it air force one? I'm not sure. It was an airplane. She, they're there for, um, she's with the press on the plane and terrorists try and take over the plane. And she's has this really smug. Do you have any idea who I am? Like, he's going to come for me. Like, he's going to come for me. I don't know why. Like, and she's yeah. just mouthing off because she knows Superman's right there. That always made me laugh because once her character eventually gets to that point where it's just like, I, I you're so stupid. You know, he's coming for me. Like, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, moving on. My second to last pick of the night is Princess Buttercup from The Princess Bride. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, this I actually expected us to match on, but I don't know if I did. We we, we totally did. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, right. I didn't necessarily mean that to be my last pick, but uh, yeah, we totally did. Okay. And I feel like this is a. Uh, this is another like just stereotypical, but really good example of uh, your classic damsel in stress. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. And this is one. This is probably the first one I wrote down when I created the list. Um, this is this is one where like and we've talked about this movie a lot. Um, but yeah, this is one where I got sucked into the adventure. Yeah. Um, of the rescue the princess this whole movie is about rescuing the princess that's the whole movie's about and i got sucked into the love story you get sucked into the adventure and it's all about just getting the girl back and she tries to help and she's there it's not like she's just waiting to be rescued but you know like she's fighting on her own but still this whole movie is about one thing specifically but I got sucked into the journey. I got sucked into the idea of the adventure and you throw in all the swashbuckling and all that stuff. It's just fantastic. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to it, but there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, no, it's just a really good classic damsel in distress story. I feel like 
you were talking and I was a little bit spacing out because I was just thinking about how perfect of a movie The Princess Bride is because it's one of those movies that I know, Drew, as kids, we were so drawn into the action and adventure of it. But some people view this movie as like primarily a comedy movie, like they get into all the jokes and stuff. And then some people get into the movie for the love story. But it really is one of those it's one of those movies that's so well done and there's really something for everybody in there. But um, I don't know. I'm also kind of thinking a little bit, sorry that I'm kind of going off on a tangent about Princess Bride in general, but I'm thinking a little bit about what you were saying at the beginning of the episode where you do have your sort of Wesley has to rescue the princess from Prince Humperdinck. Like that's your A storyline, but then going back, you have the B storyline of Inigo Montoya taking a revenge for his uh, father that was killed. And I'm trying to figure out what the C storyline is of this movie. I feel like there's a couple different ones going on in there, but this movie's great. This, uh, the character is great. I feel like she, she really fits the mold of a damsel in distress, but she, it's definitely one of my favorite ones. Cause this is like, definitely like, t- this is like a top five of all time movie for me. So I of course love this character. I love the movie. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, my final one of the night is Zelda from the legend of Zelda. Nice. Um, unlike princess peach, Zelda is in the castle. Um, <laughs> but she this is the one where just like just like um uh princess bride i got sucked into the adventure to rescue the princess like you yeah. i was sucked in immediately and it it but i wasn't just watching the adventure i was playing the adventure i was the character trying to rescue the princess and like the idea of that storytelling and there was the first time i had ever played a game of that caliber because yeah mario you're rescuing the princess but it's i felt like the story was much larger and cohesive with legend of zelda um and i just got really yeah sucked in is the only really other way to word it um zelda um if you dig into the core if you look into the expansions if you look into the other games and stuff she is a warrior in her own right and yeah it's just the chaotic you know uh super mage that uses magic abilities and everything that like captured her and took her away and you're just like well i'm getting the princess back like she's our leader i gotta get her back so basically the soldier that goes after her um and if you dig into that and if you go back even to the 80s cartoon because they had the super mario super show and every friday on the super mario super show was legend of zelda (laughs) <laughs> and that was my favorite day of the week for that show because it was a Legend of Zelda episode. Yeah. <laughs> and she wasn't just the princess damsel in distress. She was fighting there alongside him and going yeah. on the adventure. Um, I, I loved it. Um, Zelda is holds a special place in my heart specifically because of those games. Uh, that's why she holds uh, number one for me on this one. Um, but yeah, there it is. Yeah, I definitely know just related to her holding her own as a warrior. I know there's the uh, the game. um, I think it's called uh, Hyrule Warriors, which is like uh, Nintendo's version of Dynasty Warriors, essentially. But I know Princess Zelda herself is like a really strong character to play in that game. But um, I this is one that should have made my list and it made my short list. But for me, it really came down to like, I've played a couple of of Zelda games, but I just don't know 
the character the same way that I know the rest of the characters I picked. And re- related to the sort of like Princess Peach versus Zelda dynamic, like which one do you choose for your list? I went with Princess Peach just because, like almost solely because of hours spent playing Nintendo with my friends as a kid and so many hours trying to rescue Princess Peach that... Like like I said, I've played a couple Zelda games, but Mario definitely trumps it and just how much like if you were around in the early 90s, you know what I'm talking about. Like every time you met up with a group of friends, it was all Mario, all trying to uh, rescue Princess Peach. And I think that sort of uh, time has just been imprinted on me. So that's why I had to go with uh, Princess Peach. But uh, definitely a good call. And I feel like Zelda is definitely one of the most relevant damsels in distress from the last couple decades at least like she's probably one of the first characters most like of you know most younger people would think of when you ask about damsels in distress and stuff like that so yeah good call and super relevant so all right well next week normally since i picked this week um it would be peter's pick next week yes peter's pick is going to be on hold because next week is going to be our Halloween episode, so we need to talk about something scary. So Peter and I have talked about next week we're going to do our top five favorite scary moments, I guess is the best way of wording it. So film, television, video games, you know, whether you're reading a book or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, things that have actually scared us in the realm of pop culture media. Um, so we'll be talking about those next week. Um, so, yeah, Halloween. Awesome. Um, you got your costume ready for this year? Not necessarily for the show, but just to go trick-or-treating or do whatever you're doing. I, I, I'm working on it. I'm working on a homemade... We're doing Ghostbusters costumes this year, so I'm working on a home, homemade Slimer costume right now. And it's coming together, but a lot of it's going to be pretty last minute. So. Um, I will, in the fear of friends, because I have a party I'm going to. Um, it's like a, well, you don't have to spoil it yet. Well, no, we have some, we have some couple friends that we hang out with a lot Yeah. and, uh, it's kind of like the adults do their thing. The kids go do their thing. Um, but it's always like, there's a large amount of us that all get together and we're doing a costume Halloween party. Everyone's invited. So it's like adults, kids, everything. So it's kind of becoming a bit of a family, um, group costume as a, you know, so, um, in the fear of one of the people going to the party, here's what I'm doing. Um, I will tell you next week because the episode won't drop before the party. <laughs> nice. Um, so just for the fear of it. So next week I'll tell you what it is. It's kind of funny because I found the loophole because my options were dwindling quick. Um, <laughs> they, got, nice. they got narrowed. It's just my options got narrowed very fast in the realm of the conversation. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so I, came up with a loophole and it's awesome um nice. yeah all right well i will not to keep you in suspense but i'll we'll save that for next week um yeah anyway um so for that week next week is halloween but until then do us all a favor check out our website top5report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with our email top5report at gmail.com um you, you can find us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Audible. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, 
You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be letting you know that the tweet you were looking for is in another castle. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, let's throw this one in the can, Pete. So for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you.